2: Canada Day, long weekend. Hope yours is off to a good start. Thank you so much for tuning in. Brick Invitational Hockey Tournament starts Monday. Uh, Fernando Pisani's son, Jackson, playing on Team Brick, Alberta. I talked to a couple kids uh, earlier today. We'll get to those interviews as we move along tonight. NHL Free Agency on Monday, we'll see what the Oilers do. A guy who, uh, as a general manager in the NHL, used to be very busy at this time of year. Please welcome back to the show the one and only Doug McClain. Doug, how are you doing? I'm doing great. PEI is the best. I mean, it's an unbelievable time to be in PEI.
1: You Westerners. Well, there's a, there's a lot of PEIers out there that know that because they've moved out there and a lot of them are moving home.
2: Well, that's, you know what, I, I am ashamed to say I have not yet hit that part of the country, but I, I know I always get rave reviews when I have friends and family go out there. Yeah. to visit So what do you like? Is it just the weather, the golfing, the the, the the you know social atmosphere? What is it? No, you know what, I mean,
1: Jill and I built a cottage here 30 years ago. And when I was in,
2: actually when I was an
1: assistant coach in Detroit, we've been coming here every summer. I grew up here. I'm from here. Uh, Our kids grew up here. They can't wait to get back in the summer. My son lives in Chicago. My daughter lives in Delray Beach, Florida. They can't wait to get back here. So it's, you know, when you're in the NHL and doing what we've done, over the years and you travel so much and you're in different cities and you you know you get fired a lot that it, this was at our home base and it, it still is our home base so it's really home for our whole family which you know and that then you throw in the golf and the beaches and the people and the weather and everything else it's pretty nice it's pretty nice place to be we're here usually four months a year
2: well that's cool. I'm glad you got a spot like that. It feels like home. That that's really cool. Yeah. So when you were when you were coaching and a general manager because now we're getting through the draft, through development camps, free agencies, free agency will be busy last week. Could you ever as a coach or GM maybe more so as a GM like could you ever actually have some downtime where you could tell your wife or your kids or your friends okay like I'm not gonna have to get a phone call or (laughs) like does
1: that exist no (laughs) well you know what it was funny how it used to work for me I you know you obviously go through uh, the development the draft and the development camp and it's real busy up in the land and July 1st is a a very busy day for a GM and then when that's over you have a you have a break, you know, which is a real interest. Now I was president of the team as well in Columbus, so I sort of had to oversee the building and the business side of things. So, I, I would catch a five or six a.m. flight out of Moncton on a on a Monday morning, uh, which is like an hour and ten minutes from my cottage, and I i'd be in my i could be in my office in columbus at ten thirty in the morning so i'd go through 6 a.m at a month and through newark and be in my office at ten thirty on a on a monday morning and then i'd try to get out of there like on a thursday and come home so but I, but then i might take two or three weeks and just stay here but what happens when you're here and i used to say it all the time agents they would pick a time to make sure they tried to ruin every day of your summer you know like Pat Morris was my favorite at Newport. He'd phone me just at 4 o'clock just to make sure he was ruining my day talking contract about a certain player that we were negotiating or whatever. And I, I always said to Pat, if I'm going to fight with you, at least I can look at the ocean while I'm doing it. So it made it a little better. But there's no real downtime, but, but you do take some. There's no doubt about that.
2: Well, and this is going to be a busy few days now. Obviously, there's the interview period with free agency, and then and then guys can be what signed. What
1: a farce that is. Like, seriously, <laughs> what a farce this is. Like, come on. So the interview period is now... Like, nobody can tell me that the interview period is not the signing period, okay? I talked to guys last year after this period was over. They go to July and everybody was signed. Even high-end minor leaguers were already signed. So... Don't tell me it's the interview period. It's the signing period. You get a guy in there, you interview him, you got him, you you think you have a good chance, and you get a deal done in place. Come on. That's what's really going on if the truth was known.
2: Well, I, my my colleague Dave Campbell, who produces this show and works on our Eskimos broadcast, calls it the legal tampering period. I don't know if you remember, yeah, Doug. Totally. I, I don't know how totally. closely you follow the CFL, but a few years ago, the Eskimos signed Odell Willis two minutes into free agency, and then they got fined for tampering. And Ed Hervey was the GM at the time, and he said, "Okay, yeah, I tampered, just like everybody else." <laughs> yeah,
1: but but here here's what here's what's going. This is just my own opinion. Now, you know. And I've I've got some, you know, pretty good pretty good sources. So guys now I think guys have deals done. And then what they're doing is, oh, okay, now I'm gonna go visit X Place and then I'll go and visit Y. And I'm gonna make it look like it's real legitimate visits, but I've already got my deal done and I know where I'm going. That's what I think's going on. And the NHL wanted this and there's been tampering going on for however long you can remember. So It hasn't really changed, has it? So I think, I see names, I see Bobrovsky, okay, he's he's now going on his way, he sends his ticket out yesterday, he's got a flight, he's going to visit New York, and Panarin's in Florida, and Panarin's in New York, and Panarin's going to talk to Colorado. How many of the deals are really already done? I'd like to know.
2: So did you, now it was, you didn't have this, the, the legal, we'll just call it the legal tampering period. We won't call it the interview no, period. We, <laughs> yeah. So We, did, we had a legal tampering is what we had. Right. So was this, like, was this enjoyable as a GM or were you kind of find yourself talking to people where it's like, I'm talking to you, but I know you're not being genuinely interested. I know you got something in, in your back pocket. Like it must've been a frustrating experience at times.
1: Well, you know, it was a little bit of a challenge because we were you know, when we we're an expansion team, it was it was challenging. And I remember, I remember when we signed Adam Foot uh, to a three—I think it was a three-year contract at four and a half million a year—and I mean, there was twelve teams after him. I mean, but I remember at the draft saying to his agent, "You know, I'm really looking for a right shot." Leadership type of guy. That's a winner. I really need that type of guy. And if you have that type of guy, I'd really like to talk to you, July first. Well, I think he probably knew who I was talking about, but I didn't mention his name, so I legally, I wasn't really tampering, was I?
2: Exactly. You play. You played it straight, duck. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's amazing. So
1: you know what? So that's you know, and, and I remember when I was. Todd Marchand, when he, when he left the Oilers and he came to Columbus, and we signed him on a five-year deal. And I remember the Rangers desperately were recruiting him hard. We were recruiting him hard. Uh, I had the prior, our owner's private jet sitting at, in his home in Manchester, New, wherever it was, Connecticut or New, Ham, New Hampshire, at 8 o'clock in the morning to take him to Columbus and his family, you know, to, to do our legal interview. But you know, then you could start talking at midnight the previous night. You see, so you'd set it up all night as to okay, I'm going to have the jet there to bring his family here. Will he come? And, and I mean, get, that was when you got him. And then you had to do an unbelievable hard sell, an unbelievable recruiting. So I ended up getting Adam foot to come in with his family. I ended up getting taught, and then you could really do a hard sell. So that was that was legal wasn't tampering because it was after the deadline but that's when it was really uh, it was almost college style recruiting is what it was and it was fun it was fun and it, it disappointing we didn't get guys but as an expansion gm it was really challenging but it was, those were two of the bigger names we got guys that you know were were pretty good players
2: doug mcclain joining us on Insight sports so i'm curious what frustrated you more or did you find tougher to swallow was it giving a guy more money than you knew he was worth, or was it giving him more years on a contract than you thought he could be effective for?
1: You know, I see how the contracts are coming down, and I guarantee you when there's one sign, you're always either ticked off over, I I gave him a million more than I wanted to, or I gave him a year or two more than I wanted to. Every deal is either too much money or too much term that's the challenge the term is the critical one the money is a real challenge and it's really important but the term is where you constantly get in trouble and when i was a gm that's where the gms got in trouble you remember how many guys over 31 32 30 were getting uh, four and five year deals those were the ones and still today terms what get you in trouble and and the problem is when you're negotiating against other teams, it always comes down. Well, we, we'll, if you give them one more year, we'll come with you. You give max amount of dollars more, we'll come with you. And you always bite your tongue on the term one, number one, and the money one, number two. It hasn't changed. It still is. You're nev- Every contract you sign, you say, "Geez, I wish I would have got him for less money." and I wish I would have gotten them for a minimum of one less year. So it's kind of funny how it's going. Now it's changing because now the kids are even moving into a category where they don't want eight-year deals. They want shorter term because they want two picks at this millions of millions dollar can. Like you get Carlson, who will take an eight-year deal because he's, what, 24, 25, 26, whatever he is, and then you get the Mariners and Matthews and Kachooks and some of these guys are going to say, well, I want less term, you know? And this is where McDavid, he does an eight-year deal. These guys...
3: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
1: In my opinion, are going to go four and five year, probably five-year deals, and then they're going to get another kick at it.
2: So, I mean, the Oilers are in a tough situation because they don't have a lot of cap space, and, and they have some long contracts too. I mean, you know, Lucci still has four more years, so that, that's going to that's gonna be on the books. There's a lot of names floating out there. Uh, certainly Brett Connolly, his agent Jerry Johansson, said that he's talked to the Oilers already. Goaltending-wise, I wonder if, you know, Peter Morazic and Ken Holland are, are going to reunite. But, there, like, there's not a lot of room to go out there and make a splash, so I almost feel... And then the Oilers have been in this situation before where they're going to sign a guy and they have to hope he becomes someone he has never been before in his career. And in my experience as, a, as an observer, Doug, that rarely happens.
1: Well, you know, the, the problem with the Conley type guys, and, and you'll like Conley because he's, he was a perfect third, fourth line guy. In, in Washington where he could go up in the lineup and do a good job short term. He could be steady in the lineup and do a good job, or he could be at the bottom of the lineup and still be a solid contributor and, and a, you know, a guy that was an important guy for them. So he's the perfect guy. I can understand why Ken is interested in them and Keith, but the bottom line is, do you get him at the right price? That's the key. If you have to overpay to get him. Then that's where the problem happens. And do the Oilers? I had to overpay to get guys. It was a frustrating thing because of where we were as a franchise. I mean, and, and you know you make mistakes. Does do the Oilers at the stage where they have to overpay? I don't think they should have to overpay. You know, you get a chance to play in a, in a Canadian market. You got Connor McDavid, Drysdale. Well, you got some really exciting things going on. You got Kenny running the team. You know, you got Keith. There's a solid guy. You know, you got a great owner. I mean, seriously, do you have to overpay? So, if if they're going to add those guys, they just have to be careful that they don't don't overpay. And that got them in trouble the last couple of years. Overpaying mediocres. I remember sitting at the free agent July one, and I they announced the Sacker deal, and I turned, I went on the air, and I said, "He's they're way overpaying for this guy." I just finished watching him in L.A. Yeah, I know he's a good player, but this is too much term and too much money, and. I hate to say it, but I was right because he's injured half the time. Besides, yeah, it's so, too bad. Those are the deals yeah.
2: that get you in trouble. Yeah, you know? and I, I, I like, I like him. him from day one.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like him. Like he can him. pass, I, but
2: yeah, he's been hurt. Yeah, well, everybody likes him, but he, he's
1: he's injured, and and to me, it. it, it you know, it didn't – I didn't like it. I didn't like it at the time. And, and I was criticized for saying it, but anyway, that's fine. Um, so, that's – it's always a quandary. Uh, uh, you know, you just hope they don't have to pay. But that's what happened last year with some of their bottom six guys. You overpay. Now I mean, I guarantee you they're saying, okay, do we overpay or do we, or do we bring a guy up from the minors? How many guys in the minors that we have that can come up and fill in? Do we have a couple there that can come up and do a job? Do we have – you know, with one defense and then two or three forwards, or do we have to go outside? And that's where you get in trouble overpaying when you have to go outside.
2: All right, last I got to ask you about Ken Holland because obviously you've you've known him for a long time. Uh, limited dealings for me, Doug. A couple media scrums. He, he just seems very down to earth. And one thing I've noticed: if he doesn't know the answer to a question, he'll just tell you he doesn't know. Like there's not there's not a lot of pretense there. I'm just wondering uh, your experiences with Holland over the years.
1: You know, I worked with him for five years. Uh, when I was assistant GM in Detroit, he was our, our director of scouting, and I spent a ton of time with him in Europe and on the road scouting. And he he was unbelievable, in my opinion, at, at in the scouting side of things, of really giving a great feel for players and working with his staff and and they felt really good about giving him information because it was a give and take. I, I think he's a good man. I have a lot of time for him. I really like him as a guy. I thought it was a great hire. And, um, you know, I just, I really, really enjoyed him. And I think he's a good, you know, he's a a terrific hockey guy. And I, I get a kick out of people criticizing him after 25 years of consecutive playoff hockey. And, you know, I know he had good players, but he was responsible for a lot of them too, you know. So I think he's a terrific hire for the Oilers at this stage.
2: Well, Doug, love having you on the show. Uh, Thanks for fitting me in here as as you roll into your long weekend in PEI. I hope it's a beautiful Canada Day there, man.
1: Okay, man. Anytime.
2: Take care. That is Doug McLean, former NHL general manager. You saw him for many years on Sportsnet. And, uh, you know, he said there about Brett Connolly, um, some... Potential there, but if he has to play higher in the lineup with the Oilers, would he be as effective? And I think that's the the big worry if the Oilers go after that player. Seven twenty one, Hamilton up twenty three three on Montreal. Five minutes into the third. Inside Sports on Chet. <laughs>
1: is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Ooh, some offspring on a Friday night.
2: Pretty good track. The kids Are Alright, is that the name of that song? Kids Aren't Alright, yeah. Kids Aren't Alright, my bad. Hey, a special Friday night long weekend hello to the crew from Easygrass, Todd, Derek, Travis, and Logan. Appreciate all your hard work over the last few days, boys. Looking forward to seeing my lawn when I get home. This is exciting, Kellen. I got that artificial grass put in. Oh. Yeah. Might go for a CFL franchise, actually. I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) Are are you the 10th franchise? I'll I'll beat the Maritimes. I'll get there first for a a CFL team. Free agency uh, coming up Monday in the CFL. uh, We will keep you updated. We'll have uh, some best of programming on during that day, but Bob will be live from noon to 2, and uh, I will be live from 6 to 8. If uh, something really big happens with the Oilers, we'll break into programming, and we'll keep you updated on 630chad.com as well. At the Edmonton Expo Center tonight, end of the first quarter, the Edmonton Stingers in a 23-23 tie with the first place Niagara River Lions. We had Jordan Blundell on from the Edmonton Prospects. They have their Canada Day game Monday at 7 against Moose Jaw and FC Edmonton will have an afternoon game at Clark Monday at 1.30 against Halifax as they continue the first season ever of the Canadian Premier League. Brick Invitational starts Monday. You'll hear from some of the principals involved in that. We'll set up the Canada Day Road Race, another awesome Canada Day festivity going on in the city of Edmonton. Your text to 63630. Open line is available, 780-496-0063. Back after the news, folks. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry.
3: For breaking
0: news and expert opinion, inside sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30.
4: Chad.
2: Some NHL notes today: the Buffalo Sabres get defenseman Colin Miller from Vegas for a couple of draft picks. The Toronto Maple Leafs. New contracts for pending restricted free agents, Kasperi Kapanen and Andreas Janssen and the Colorado Avalanche get the rights to RFA Andre Burakovsky from Washington going to the Capitals. Scott Kosmichuk, a second-round pick in the 2020 draft and a third-round pick they previously got from Arizona, also in 2020. All right. Sam G. texting in. Happy Canada Day, Sam. Great to hear from you. Happy Canada Day to you as well. Much appreciated. Hope you all have a great weekend. Uh, I am running the Canada Day Road Race Monday morning and we will have Joan Radford, the director of that race, on later on this half hour. Kellen, that's the one. That's the one that got me into running. Mm -hmm. I did the 5K. Would have been July 1st, 2009. And I completed it and I thought, hey, maybe I can do uh, longer distances. So uh, this was going to be my eleventh one. Oh, right on! I did the five. I've done the five k, and this will be my tenth fifteen k on Canada Day. So my eleventh Canada Day race.
4: Nice. It's so, fun. do you have like a collection of numbers on your wall at home, like a lot of runners do? I do
2: not save those. You don't save those. No, right? I, I, I record my time, just for references. To say, I mean, it's always nice to get a personal best, right? And I, I maybe I may have already peaked. I ain't getting any younger. I ain't no spring chicken. <laughs> tell you what 30 years now this is the 30th brick invitational this is the tournament uh, starts every canada day at the ice palace at west edmonton mall 14 teams in all this is uh, some of the best 10-year-old hockey players from really around north america team brick trying to win the tournament for the first time since 2009 uh, fernando passani's son jackson is on the team i caught up with fernando today well, Fernando, seeing Jackson make this team, how do you feel as a hockey dad?
4: You know, it's uh, it's you feel very proud. Um, it's something that he's worked for and something that he's uh, he's having a lot of fun doing, a lot of friends that he's meeting, and he's just having a, a great time and a great experience, and he's looking forward to, to getting on the ice and playing.
2: These kids are 10. Do you, do you think they have a sense of good they are
4: (laughs) you know what I mean yeah it's uh, you know every weekend that we practice we're kind of as a parent group you're in awe of how how good these kids are and what they can do with the puck and uh, how smart they are and how well they move the puck so you're you're in awe of it I know when I was 10 years old there was I wasn't trying to do toe drags or uh, dangle through all these guys and some of the moves that they do is is just it's fun to watch as a dad
2: the, the the whole experience of uh, of seeing your son embrace hockey and, and being an elite level player what has that been like for you because i know i talked to a lot of ex-athletes who become parents of that sport and they don't want to like, they're cautious they don't want to be the pushy parent, but obviously they want their son or daughter to excel.
4: Yeah, and you know what? It's that, it's that fine line as a dad. You you want to push your kid, but you don't want to push him too hard. And at the end of the day, he's having a blast. Uh, and it's to him, it's not going out there and working on it. You know, he'll be on the ice twice on Saturday, and then he'll go and, and shoot pucks later on after that. So it's not like I'm telling him to go out and do that. That's stuff that he loves to do. He enjoys to do it. And as long as he's having fun, that's that's all it that matters.
2: Just want to shift gears a little bit. July 1st is obviously free agency for the the NHL. You went through that experience as as an unrestricted free agent. What was that that time like for you? Because it must have been a lot of uncertainty. I mean, I knew you knew you could get a team, but there's a lot going on, I would assume.
4: Yeah, there's a lot going on. And, uh, you know, it was towards the, the end of my career, and I was kind of uncertain as to what you know what was going to come about and just you're always on the phone talking to your agency and who he's talked to and what opportunities are going to be there and uh, the, the tough part is the uncertainty of you know you're going to be, you know. I think I signed uh, towards the end of August, and I had to leave two days after that. So you're always kind of wondering and hoping. Okay, well, you know, having a young family is picking up and moving and trying to get adjusted and set up and getting kids in school. So you're always, you're always worried about that, but. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of uncertainty. You're always kind of worrying about what's going to happen next.
2: Did teams
4: like want to talk
2: to you, or was it all through your agent? What was it? Was it sort of almost like an interview process?
4: Yeah, you know, there was. Uh Towards the end, there was a couple teams, and I spoke to, uh, you know, two general managers, and we had good conversations, and just wanted to um, just have a conversation and see where my mind was at, and uh, it was good to do, and it's nice to see, and and at the end of the day, you go with the team that you hope that will, you know, have a good chance to win and uh, be in a good situation and a good fit for you, and you want to add value to to a team, any team you go to.
2: Thank you very much. Fernando Pisani, good to check, uh, catch up with him today at West Edmonton Mall. His son uh, on Team Brick Alberta, so that is uh, that is pretty cool. Th- this tournament is is so awesome to follow. Uh, they do such a great job, and one of the key guys behind this, the executive director of the tournament, Andy Wigston, he has been there since the very beginning. Well, Andy, uh, 30. I, I mean, that is that is pretty incredible. It's got to be feeling feel pretty awesome. It's amazing. You know, when you think about it, we came here 30 years ago, and this
0: rink didn't have any players boxes didn't have any penalty box didn't have any dressing rooms and you know we had to build all that stuff for the first few years and it was very difficult it was a weekend tournament with eight teams and we didn't know what was going to happen and now 30 years later 14 teams 47 games this ice rink is absolutely amazing now this year we get an electronic scoreboard it's just it's just grown exponentially each year right so yeah it's uh, it's
2: been an amazing trip. Well, and it's become so synonymous with Edmonton, and everybody knows where it is on the calendar. Take me back to the beginning. I mean, there must have been like, okay, we're going to hold a hockey tournament in a mall in summer. <laughs> there must have been like, okay, well, it's going to catch on. Like I say, you know, the Grumisians had a dream; they
0: wanted to build a hockey r- or build a skating rink in a mall. Bill Comrie had a dream; he wanted to run a hockey tournament in it. So when we sat down and looked at it, it was, uh, you know, we had teams from like Kamloops, Red Deer. Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. And then we had a team from California, a team from Toronto, and a team from Montreal. The California team won it, which was absolutely astounding. They beat Edmonton uh, in the final, so it was uh, it was a year of surprises. And you're right, it didn't. We weren't sure that uh, you know anybody was going to like this in the mall, right? Because it's it's totally different, totally different you know but the moms love it because you know they're not in a cold drink drinking coffee out of a machine and they can go shopping and there's lots of things to do here so it really made it a summer vacation tournament and that's what we wanted how many volunteers do you have every year we run it with about forty. Um, we did a, we did a volunteer uh, appreciation this year, and we we've put two hundred and eighty one volunteers through this program that we, we've had over the thirty years. So it's pretty amazing.
2: And uh, I I wrote the number down here. I'll quickly check it. Uh, 205 alumni of the tournament have played in the NHL, yes. and 30 more alumni were drafted this year. 34, 34 more. 34 this year. Yeah, we've had. Yeah,
0: we had 205 play. Some of them are retired. We only have, uh, I think there's 112 in the NHL right now, and this year they drafted 34 more from this tournament. A lot from the U.S., which is, uh, if you watch the draft, you saw that there was a lot of U.S. players. A lot from the U.S., but we have 17 from the U.S., and so in eight years, these kids are going to be draft eligible. Yes. And probably. Yeah, many pretty much. Good. Pretty much. We look at that every year, yeah, pretty much.
2: Yeah, great tournament, the Brick Invitational. So it starts Monday. It runs all the way through to Saturday. The final's going to be, or pardon me, until Sunday. The final's going to be Sunday, July 7th at 12.30 in the afternoon. So seven-day tournament. Tons of games are going on all day at West Edmonton Mall. And we'll keep you updated on how Team Brick Alberta is doing. Quick timeout inside sports on 630 Chat. <laughs>
4: This is Ryan Eugen-Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad, If you like beer and you're gay, reach for a Schmitz
2: gay. <laughs> ah, that's one of the best Saturday Night Live commercials ever. Is it Phil Hartman on The Voice? And hey, who did it feature, Sandler and Farley? Yeah, it was Sandler and Farley, yeah. But, but man, two of those uh, three no longer with us, Phil Hartman and uh, Chris Farley. Gone too soon. Adam Sandler's still plugging away. That that was one of their their best commercials. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, <laughs> it was it was a beer commercial, and the beer they were marketing the beer for gay men. I believe it was Schmidt's Gay, the name of the beer. And Phil Hartman did his cheesy announcer voice. If you like beer and you're gay, reach for an ice cold Schmidt's. gay. And the song Beautiful Girls by Van Halen was the song. Though I think when they re-aired the commercial on future broadcasts, they couldn't use that song, so I think they used more of a generic guitar sound. Yeah,
1: and I think they cut the entire skit or commercial from its re-upload on Netflix a few years ago, because they cut they re-uploaded a whole bunch of old Saturday Night Live episodes on Netflix, and that one was up there, but without the skit, so.
2: There you go. Uh, I, I I know Chris Farley, probably, he might be my favorite Saturday Night Live cast member of all time. Mm-hmm. He's up there. He'd probably be in my top three. Matt Foley, motivational speaker. Love that character. And he just, he was so over the top and bombastic, everything he did. The uh, Swayze, uh, Patrick Swayze, oh, Chippendales. The skep- Chippendales, that's, yeah. speaking of top, lit, like that's got to be a top five SNL sketch of all time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, Farley just just didn't care. He just put it out there, so to speak. That was good. All right. uh, We got 26-10, Hamilton leading Montreal at the end of the third quarter. Meanwhile, late... In the first half, about 90 seconds left at the Expo Centre. The Edmonton Stingers is up 52-40 on the Niagara River Lions. Hey, time to talk about the Canada Day Road Race. The director of the race is Joan Radford. Joan, welcome to the show. How
3: are you doing? <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm doing great. A little busy, but doing great.
2: Well, thanks for fitting me in. It is awesome to have you on the show. Uh, I, I'm excited because this is going to be the 11th time i've run on canada day and my 10th time doing the 15k distance so so i'm pretty excited it's a bit of a it's it's a milestone year for for you too Joan, when it comes to the canada day race
3: (laughs) it is it's actually my 20th year as the race director of this event
2: that's pretty cool so what 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 has kept you coming back and kept you involved for two decades
3: Uh, um, well, that's a good question. I think the enthusiasm first of all for this event it was a it was an iconic event before I even came on board and and the enthusiasm just from Edmonton's runners and the running community um, has always um, been a, a continuous motivation to stay on it. And then when we initiated a fundraising um, in 2005, it just became even more heartfelt. People had stories that sh- they shared with me. And it just became um, much more of a uh, an important event in the community. It's Edmonton zone, It's Edmonton sponsored. It's it's just such a um, a strong Edmonton representation that it's it's uh, it just keeps me coming back.
2: Well, I love to hear that, and I always love that moment at the start line before you go out. It's uh, you know it's usually about a seven thirty start and the the weather's always been good every, every year and you single canada and everybody's in such a, a, a positive frame of mind and you have experienced runners and first-time runners and i just i just feel like it's such an inclusive event joe well,
3: Oh, thank you i appreciate hearing that it's, it truly does feel like a, a community um when everybody is there at the start line i agree with you um everybody is is excited to be there and and you're right with um o canada and then taking off it, it just truly really is um a pretty pretty fun thing to be a part of
2: tell me a little bit about the course it's uh it's a good challenge for me it starts off you're going straight downhill and then you finish on yeah. that hill, and halfway through you do yeah. Emily Murphy Hill, which which I find is a <laughs> uh, is is one of the tougher ones uh, in in the River Valley. So you know that we have the half marathon that I do, and the marathon, which is which is flat. This one's not flat, Joan. Mm-hmm. It tests your hill running.
3: No. It It isn't a flat course. No, but I mean, Edmonton isn't really a, a flat city. We've got little hills and dales everywhere, so it's a pretty good representation of Edmonton along River Valley Road, so right along the river and then um, crossing the river. We do a loop of Coralock Park, as you know, and then it's up Emily Murphy, and then through the lovely Windsor Park and University of Alberta area, and then, then you get to run down Emily Murphy Hill, which is always kind of a nice kick. It makes for a fast finish as i remember until you get to Fort Way Hill. And so this year we've initiated again um the hill challenges back. So one of our sponsors stepped up with some gift certificate prizes for those who choose to save a little bit for the hill and just push it up that hill. So we have a couple of gift certificates some um, lucky's exercise equipment for the the fastest two runners up the hill.
2: Do you have slowest up the hill? Because I might win that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we might have to think about that for next year.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Joan Radford joining us on Inside Sports, the director of the Canada Day Road Race, which of course is uh, Monday morning, starts and finishes at the legislature ground, and, and she mentioned the course there. Okay, uh, some details we should get out there, and I know there's some construction as well. Uh, any, any road closures or, or delays that maybe people who are out driving uh, should expect or be aware of?
3: yeah, yeah, those who are are looking at early tea times at uh, Victoria Golf Course or activities out at the Royal Glenora or even at Mayfair Golf Course, um there are some road closures, the westbound River Valley Road will be closed from 6.30 to 9.30, like completely. So you will have to come in from an alternate direction to get to either the Royal Glenora or um, Victoria Golf Course. And we will have marshals posted at key points to help you so that, you know, the runners stay safe and, and the drivers get hopefully to their tee times on time. So maybe... Maybe even um, leaving a little bit early might, might be um, something to think about. And the same thing with the Mayfair. Of course, there's, there's lots of construction in that area as well. It's going to be very well coned off by the city, um, and we'll do our best to make sure that, that everyone in their vehicles getting somewhere will get the appropriate directions.
2: Uh, we've had a rainy uh, couple of weeks. Okay. I, I mentioned Canada Day has always been beautiful when I have run, but I, but I know some people have asked me or new runners will say, well, what happens if it's pouring rain at, uh, at race time? I mean, obviously, if there's lightning in the area, I don't think we'd be go- going out, but what happens if, if there is rain? If there's rain, um, as long as it uh,
3: isn't perceived to be a safety concern so um that might be as you said associated to thunder or lightning or or maybe volume um we're gonna go so it would be you know your rain gear or a poncho or whatever you need but we'll be out there so <laughs> come on out
2: excellent well i'm looking forward to it and i gotta say Joan, i i love it, and, and i guess it's probably been this way a while but i love the 15k distance and i, I know for me mm-hmm. you know i wanted to do a half marathon wasn't sure and then i ran on canada day and did 15 and i thought okay i can do i can do six more but it, it's a very unique distance i don't know if i see any other maybe there are but i, I don't see any other uh, 15k races out there it's a pretty cool distance
3: yeah, there aren't, no, you're right, there aren't any other 15k distances. You'll find a 10-miler, which is pretty close, but aside from that, um, no, you're right, it is, that. that's kind of one of the things that keeps us a bit special in in the uh, running season is to have this race a little bit different. It's a great training one run if you're heading to Edmonton Marathon or something like that because it's not quite half, but it's substantial, so it ends up being uh, a pretty good, Uh, distance for people to try we also do have the 5k though as well and that just opens it up to just bringing more people out more people to um, be involved and have some fun and maybe start with uh, a lesser distance and then we also have the 2.5k which brings out um, all the little ones and the grandmothers and the grandfathers and people who just want to begin Canada Day in a healthy active way so there's a, a lot of reasons to, to bring people out and be active on Canada Day morning.
2: Okay, and before I let you go, if, uh, if somebody's on the fence and now they want to get in, can they still register to run on Monday?
3: Well, they can, but I have to tell you that there are very few registration left. So I suspect that we'll be shutting the registration down, maybe even by tomorrow morning. So if they are on the fence, it's, it's time to kind of... Jump off to the other side and go online to the running room on Canada Day Road Race in Edmonton. Make sure you sign up for Edmonton. There are six road races across Canada now, um, but the first one started here in Edmonton. So, and can go in and sign up, but we really don't have that many spots left.
2: Joan, I look forward to it. Hopefully I will see you on Monday. Thank you so much for coming on Inside Sports.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Reid. I look forward to seeing you too.
2: That is Joan Radford, the director of the Canada Day Road Race in her 20th year in that role. That is pretty cool. Hope to see you out there on Monday. Hope you can enjoy Canada Day in our fine city. Hamilton leading Montreal 26-10. They are three and a half minutes into the fourth quarter. Uh, Hamilton looking good to get another victory. Uh, What do we got? B.C. and Calgary tomorrow and then on Canada Day Toronto, after losing by 50 to the Tiger Cats, goes into Regina to face the Rough Riders. That is Saskatchewan's uh, home opener, and the Riders sitting there at 0-2 on the season after losing in Hamilton, and then... In Ottawa. Eskimos on a bye. Their next game will be Thursday, July 11th when they visit the BC Lions. It'll be a 6 o'clock countdown to kickoff and the game will start at 8. NHL free agency on Monday. What will the Oilers do? Will it be Mirazik? Will it be Mike Smith? Will it be Connolly? Will it be Richie? Are they going to make a trade? They got some work to do and a lot not a lot of money to work with. Was oh, it hobo time already, Kellen? It's hobo time.
4: Are you here Monday? I'll be here Monday. Let's go for the frenzy together and see what's free. What's it's going to be fun.
2: Thanks for listening tonight. Really appreciate your calls and texts as well. You heard from Jordan Blundell, Joan Radford, Doug McLean, Blake Dermott, and we teed up the Brick Invitational. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, the studio operator. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great
3: weekend.